0: Welcome back to Russian Roulette, the podcast from the Russian Eurasia Program at the Center for Strategic International Studies. I'm your host, Olga Olikar, here in the CSIS studio with my co-host, Jeff Mankoff. Hello, hello. In this episode of Russian Roulette, we sit down with Evgenia Chirikova. Evgenia is a Russian activist who came to activism through her effort in the 2000s to oppose a highway project that uh, would destroy the federally protected Himki forest near Moscow. And we're going to talk to her a bit about how she came from being a businesswoman who just wanted to save the forest near her home to um, the winner of the prestigious International Goldman Environmental Prize and to now an expat. She left Russia for Estonia in 2015 after threats to her family and her colleagues, uh, as well as about her ongoing work with Russian activism and anti-corruption initiatives. It's a really interesting conversation where I think we hit upon some, um, some very important themes. So I hope you enjoy listening. Evgenia, welcome to the studio. Thank you for the
1: invitation.
0: I thought our listeners would want to hear a little bit about how you got involved in environmental activism in Russia.
1: I was hoping you could you could share that with us. Thank you a lot for the uh, question. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, for me, uh, absolutely an unusual story uh, because I was a normal woman. And I was businesswoman. I had an uh, engineering business. Uh, with my husband. And I uh, was pregnant a second time. And you were living in? And I live in small town uh, near the Moscow Mm -hmm. in Himke. Mm -hmm. And I very like my uh, place because it was near of beautiful Himke forest. Mm -hmm. And I so like this place. And I uh, sometimes uh, walked in uh, uh, my favorite forest and enjoy (laughs) (laughs) nature. Mm-hmm. Uh and for me it was really very very important because I spent four f- to uh, my job um four hours a in day and uh, uh I work in a huge office uh, uh in a very polluted uh town because of Moscow a huge town and mm-hmm. uh, very polluted and this and was uh, 2000 it, it was 13 uh, years ago okay and 13 years ago 13 mm-hmm. uh, and uh um uh, for me it was absolutely uh, um Absolutely special time uh, uh, when I come back to Himke and breathe normally mm-hmm. in my favorite fo- forest. And uh, one time uh, when I was pregnant, I decided to walk to forest with my husband. And I found uh, uh, on absolutely healthy trees very strange red paints. And I uh, we check information and we found uh, um, papers. It was official paper uh, of government uh, Moscow district uh, about plan of Russian authorities to cut down our forest for new... Uh, payment motorway, uh, Moscow, St. Petersburg. And so this the, was the local government. Yes, it was a uh, uh, government of Moscow district. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very the Moscow region. Uh, uh, it's most Moscow region. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's uh, really very high top of uh, government, high level. And uh, for me, it was shock because I, uh, according to the plan of uh, authorities, Russian authorities, they decided to cut down my forest for payment motorway and for infrastructure. And development two hundred, two thousand hundreds, uh, very healthy and very good forest. And according to the Russian legislation, it was absolutely impossible because it was special green zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, with my uh, uh, husband, we decided uh, to send uh, letters because we decided that maybe it's a mistake, maybe authorities don't understand that we have uh, excellent foreigners in this place. Uh, but the answer for us very strange. As they answer us that it's decision of Putin. And uh, uh, for me, it was strange why? Because according to the Russian legislation, it was impossible. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really the local government, it was yeah. the, and the I, central I, government.
1: And I, I think that it's a strange decision uh, uh, that Putin makes this decision uh, because he's not a god. Right. He cannot, he cannot, uh, um, he can, uh, he need to work according to the legislation. Mm-hmm.
2: He's also not the mayor. And this is, you know, in a lot of countries, the kind of decision that would be made at a much lower level. It's not the kind of thing that has to be decided by
1: yeah. the, the it, president. It's, <laughs> it's a Russian story. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> when decision-make uh, president <laughs> and other government only support him. And after that, we uh, decided uh, to organized campaign, and we tried to f- find any uh, stories of grassroots groups in Russia, but I was very surprised because mm-hmm. I, I, for me it was impossible to find any examples of protest in Russia. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, had you been involved in any grassroots campaigns or protests never. before or this? or environmental
1: I activism. I was absolutely vegetarian person <laughs> because, <laughs> <laughs> because I um, um, I never, never come to election. I never had part in demonstration and I make my career and I concern only about my family and I think that I was ordinary Russian uh, woman <laughs> and uh, uh, its story with Himki Forest uh, uh, its story helped me to change my mentality to change mm-hmm. my opinion uh, about my country about my government and uh, I uh, tried to find uh, any examples of grassroots movement uh, not only in, uh, in Russia because for me it was impossible to find these examples mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. within Russia and I decided to find uh, examples uh, of uh, grassroots activity in Europe, in America, and I found absolutely amazing story about woman butterfly <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and and uh, about other stories. And I decided uh, to organize an environmental campaign uh, for um, uh, defense my forest, my uh-huh. favorite place. Uh, and I, with my friends, we um, we did it. <laughs>
2: So who were the people that you organized? Were these your neighbors? Were these people who had some kind of connection to environmental causes? And what kind of reaction did you get when you went to people and said, I want you to participate in this movement?
1: Oh, Very good question because I uh, uh, don't have any uh, friends in Himke uh, because I uh, was born in Moscow Mm -hmm. and uh, I uh, came to Himke uh, when I emerged Mm -hmm. uh, and um, um, I was so busy I had a lot of work uh, and uh, I don't have time for friendship in Himke Uh, I um, have time only for sleeping and some time for walking, walking <laughs> yes. in the forest, in <laughs> yeah, the forest, right. yes. But thanks uh, for my activity, I find a lot of friends. It was, absol- it was absolutely different people. Um, I, uh, d- um, when I had walking with my uh, children, I uh, decided uh, to disseminate information about our problem with himke forest, and I wrote uh, mm, uh, a short story about our forest and about plan of Russian um, authorities uh, to destroy our forest. And uh, when I had walking with my pushchair, <laughs> mm-hmm. with children, <laughs> I uh, picked uh, this um, um, short uh, message mm-hmm. uh, on the trees, on the shops, okay. with my telephone number. And a lot of people... Who really love our forest? They called me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was absolutely crazy people. Yes, <laughs> but uh, 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 many, many people who called me at this moment. Uh, uh, there are my uh, my uh, very good friends, and I so glad that I started my activity like activist because it changed my life. So what did you do? You gathered these
0: people who agreed with you that the forest needed to be saved. And how did you organize? How did you organize your campaign? Uh,
1: uh, at first moment, it was uh, uh, very nice meetings near uh, my house uh, because I was very busy with my uh, small children. And sometimes I had this meeting uh, within my flat, sometimes near my flat. And uh, um, uh, we organized uh, small pickets. Uh, we won't only disseminate information. Mm-hmm. But during the time, uh, we understand that we need to to uh, disseminate um, our information uh for media mm-hmm. for uh normal media i begin to understand that media it's really very effective tool. Mm -hmm. And I try to disseminate information, but um, ordinary media answer me that it's not so interesting for us. Sorry. Mm -hmm. It's about Mm -hmm. forest. It's Mm -hmm. about squirrels. uh, And it's not (laughs) our team. Sorry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not our topic. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And I try to share information with local journalists. And I find absolutely amazing journalist, Mikhail Biketov. And I was very surprised because I think that journalists... It's a uh, thin man with glasses. Hmm. Uh, but when I invited him, he looked like fighter. He was very tall and very brutal. And he was absolutely amazing uh, man because uh, he had interesting story. Uh, he was um, um, uh, in many... Um, was in Chechnya, mm-hmm. in other region, and he, um, he wrote uh, articles mm-hmm. about these mm-hmm. uh, uh, conflicts. And he was absolutely brave and courage person. And he was first who uh, started to disseminate information about our problems mm-hmm. and who helped us. And he lived near the Himki Forest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we had absolutely horrible story with Mikhail Biketov because uh, uh, after his uh, article that uh, we have a horrible case with Himki Forest because uh, it's a corruption case. Mm-hmm. After that, um, um, mayor of our town decided uh, to kill Mikhail Biketov. And against Mikhail Biketov uh, was organized brutally. Attack against him, and after that he became absolutely disabled person. He lost uh, fifteen kilos, um, and doctors cut down his uh, leg and fingers, and uh, he uh, cannot move. Uh, he couldn't move. Uh, he couldn't talk. Uh, he couldn't. Ob- Walk and it was a, so big uh, shock for us because we understand that uh, um, our authorities, it's mafia, and uh, for them it's not so big problem to kill uh, people. And it was shock for me, and uh, I understand that I, uh, um, I I need to continue my struggle and not uh, concern about uh, my safety because it was so difficult to think any moment about uh, about um, consequences of my struggle. It was so painful, and it was so. Horrible that I decided that I never think about uh, safety. And uh, uh, after this case with Mikhail Biketov, a lot of people decided to support us. It was a big surprise for mm-hmm. me because uh, I think that people in Russia are really very brave. And uh, we organized a campaign for supporting Mikhail Biketov. And uh, uh, um, many journalists to support us and disseminate information. And after that, we are a nice eco-camp uh, in Himki forest and we stay day and night, winter and summer uh, in our forest and uh, uh, save our forest and it was very interesting experience for me and very dangerous experience because sometimes we have a problem with police, police attack us mm-hmm. attacked us and sometimes Sox, uh Nazi group attack us because authorities invite them for us and uh, it was very uh, difficult uh, period of my life, uh, but uh, very interesting because I invited a lot of absolutely amazing people, for example, Alexei Navalny mm-hmm. and the Pussy Riot group who support mm-hmm. us and other, um, other very nice uh, uh, guys. And uh, after that, uh, we understand that we have absolutely unique experience. And I understand that we need to support other grassroots groups because uh, we show a good pattern of behavior for other civil society in Russia, and a lot of people decided to say no for unfair decision of authorities. Mm-hmm. Our um, movement war, uh, was very popular and a lot of people uh, was very surprised that it's possible to organize campaign mm-hmm. and uh, uh, save uh, forest, for example. It was a very common problem uh, in Russia when authorities decided to cut down uh, green zones mm-hmm. uh, uh, for, um, and squeeze money uh, mm-hmm. from this uh, um, nature
0: so you said um that what piquetta found was that it was a corruption issue that somebody was somebody
1: was making money yeah um so what happened well i i explained for you mm-hmm. uh, we organized uh with a bank watch investigation and we found interest in corruption scheme this
2: is a, a watchdog group
1: uh uh bank watch, it's uh ngo uh uh-huh. It's a very famous NGO and uh, it's really a a very good organization and uh, um, they support us and help us with this investigation because uh, we never have experience with journalist investigations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they help us. And according to this investigation, we found that um, Russian authorities to send money uh, uh, to concessionaire of uh, this project, I mean project uh, uh, payment, motorway, uh, mm-hmm. Moscow, St. Petersburg. The
2: company that was supposed to build the...
1: Yeah, uh, no, no, uh, uh, It's uh, uh, send money to concessionaire. concessionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's, was a French company, Vinci, mm-hmm. okay. and uh, this company uh, was very strange because this company not built our project, not uh, uh, make uh, uh, engineering decision, mm-hmm. and uh, this company only laundering money, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and this okay. company, Vinci, mm-hmm. to disseminate this money in different offshore zones. And one of these offshore compa- uh, company was a company uh, of Arkady Aratenberg, uh, in Cyprus, mm-hmm. Arkady Rotenberg. I remind you, who is this uh, person? Uh, he is oligarch. Right. He is closely friend of Mr. Putin. He's
2: on the sanctions list. He, absolutely,
1: yes. And we found that uh, uh, how um, foreign company uh, Vinci laundering money for needs of uh, Arkady Rotenberg. <laughs> <laughs> and other uh, strange guys, mm-hmm. and we disseminate this information. We send uh, uh, this case to prosecutor office of uh, Moscow, and uh, we send this uh, case uh, uh, to prosecutor office uh, 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 in France. And uh, uh, prosecutor office uh, in Moscow never answered me, uh, but prosecutor office uh, in France a beginning criminal case against mm-hmm. this scheme. And uh, maybe one years ago, I was in testimony uh, uh, in prosecutor p- office uh, in Paris. And uh, I wait result of this investigation. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting for me because it's impossible to solve this problem mm-hmm. through the uh, Russian courts. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But I believe that maybe it will be possible to stop this corrupted scheme uh, through the French prosecutor office. So that
2: case is still being processed?
1: Yeah. Yes. And the forest, what has happened? And uh, uh, it's an interesting story because we stopped destroying a huge part of forest for infrastructure and development. Uh, according to f- uh, uh, f- um, uh, plans uh, of authorities, they wanted uh, to cut down all forests, 2,000 hectares. Mm-hmm. But at this moment, they cut down only 100 hectares uh, for uh, motorway and i i think that we keep a huge part of forest and it was win of course but uh, 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 we uh, unfortunately not achieved a main goal because we wanted to stop uh, this motorway through the forest we just, uh, we wanted to change t- trajectory of this motorway. But unfortunately, it was really very, very difficult mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was I think it was impossible. Mm-hmm. But I think that we achieved other very important goals. First, we show for Russian civil society uh, a, a new uh, pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. And we save a big part of forest. Mm-hmm. I think that it was uh, very important
2: But now, you're no longer based in Russia, Uh, so can you talk about what led you to to leave
1: Russia? I decided uh, uh, to uh, organize um, a special project uh, for supporting uh, grassroots groups. Uh, Why? Uh, I was an activist during 10 years, and I understand that it's really very important uh, to have media support. And uh, I, with my team, we organize uh, a special media resource. Uh, it's like Facebook for activists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The name of my resource is Okay. And you can find our uh, resource activatica.org in internet. And if you open our, our portal, you can find map with a lot of points on the map. And each of these points, it's a different type of activity in different parts of Russia. And each activist in Russia uh, have opportunity to publish their information uh, in our portal without pre-moderation. And my team to fact-check in this information and disseminate them, this information. And journalists from my team um, uh, uh, publish information about grassroots news every day. And we disseminate information in uh, uh, social media, uh, and I think it's extremely important. Why? Because, unfortunately, in Russia we don't have independent media, mm-hmm. on, on, only propaganda machine. And situation with independent media was uh, worse uh, than 10 years ago when I began my campaign. Uh, and uh i understand that uh um, that it's impossible to organize this project within russia uh, and for safety reason we decided to move to estonia and step of my organization located in Estonia but main uh, part of my team of course volunteers and journalists uh, stay in different parts of Russia in in Ural Mm -hmm. uh, in St. Petersburg in Moscow, uh, in Samara Kazan, and other other (laughs) cities. So you've created a network of mostly environmental activists or all kinds of activists different different Mm -hmm. activists including environmental issues Mm -hmm. and and, of course, if, 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 including uh, human rights mm-hmm. movements and uh, social movements. And uh, I think that any activity in Russia really very important. Why? Because, um, unfortunately, after the um, Soviet Union period, we have a problem with mentality of our people. I remind you our story. Uh, 100 year, years ago, uh, power is my country was seized by a terrorist group. They called themselves the Red Terror. And, for example, Stalin had a horrible past. Uh, he was killer. He, uh, he robbed banks. And, um, uh, of course, this uh, um, power, Red Power, uh, communist uh, authorities uh, organized a horrible regime. Uh, and result of uh, their power was uh, uh, mass repression, arrested, and it's changed behavior of Russian people. And people became very passive because they afraid to say no for unfair, any unfair decision of authorities because it was extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. A, a, a many million Russian people were killed by communists. Uh, and uh, I think that at this moment we have absolutely inspiring and very important process, increasing number of grassroots groups. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. But at the same time, we have two different trends. In one, Uh, We have problem with Putin regime. And unfortunately, after the annexation of Crimea, after war against Ukraine, Netherlands beginning to buy in six times more oil from Putin's Russia than before that. And Germany beginning to buy in two times more gas than before that. And of course, it support Putin regime. And, unfortunately, Putin uh, regime to spend this money only for disgusting needs, for new wars, uh, for propaganda machine, and uh, for repressive apparatus against people in Russia. And on the other side, donors, foreign donors, decided to stop uh, supporting of civil society in Russia because they afraid Putin's regime. They afraid uh, new laws about foreign agency and i think it's disgusting situation because in one side we have extremely supporting of putin regime from west but in other side we have situation when our civil society became alone with monstrous propaganda uh, machine mm-hmm. with monstrous putin regime without any support and i think that it's really a sad situation and we need to change the situation and we need to find new opportunity for supporting grassroots groups and it's my uh, goal. It's your so mission.
2: You don't, you're not optimistic that grassroots organizations will be more effective in Russia until the political system changes?
1: Absolutely, I believe that it's possible because only through this level of activity it's possible to change Russia. I uh, I not believe that it's possible through the political parties mm-hmm. because we don't have any <laughs> independent political mm-hmm. parties. And I, But I believe that it's possible. Why? Because I was ordinary woman, and I believe for Russian authorities, I believe to propaganda, but through the, my grassroots activity, I changed my mentality, and I'm ordinary person. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, the same story at this moment mm-hmm. happens with other people mm-hmm. And if you change your mentality, you change your life. So um, I
0: guess that leads to questions for, for me. One is, I you mean, know, what it sounds like is that it's mostly a uh, education mission that you just want to raise awareness. But I'm also curious in your network of grassroots groups with their various interests, environmental, anti-corruption, pol- human rights. What's effective? Um are there, are there
1: tools, are there things that work? Oh, um, very good idea, very good yeah. questions and about education unfortunately we have problem with <laughs> education for activists and uh, 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 it's also my mission to disseminate information um, uh, with activists uh, um, uh, how it's possible to organize campaign how it's possible to invite mm-hmm. people in your uh, movement and disseminate information it's really very important and I think that we need uh, to get more information about this, uh, how it's possible Mm -hmm. to organize effective campaign. And if we speak about successful campaigns at this moment in Russia, of course, it's really very, very difficult to walk uh, in Russia. Mm -hmm. And it's really very dangerous to be active in Russia, Mm -hmm. in Putin's Russia, and to be activist in, uh, uh, in Russia, it's really very dangerous activity. But we have some successful stories. For example, I remind you story of uh, Sun partisans. It was amazing story uh, in Karelia in Sunskoy forest uh, uh, day and night old woman 80 and 90 years old live in forest in echo camp why d- they decided to organize this campaign. Because local authorities decided to cut down Sunskoye forest mm-hmm. and uh, organize uh, mining of sand. And, uh, uh, of course, for uh, building new skyscrapers in, in mm-hmm. Moscow <laughs> and, other, and other regions. <laughs> Yes, and this uh, women was so brave. It was elderly women, and it was first time in their life, and they decided to organize this campaign, and it was extremely dangerous for them, but they did it, and they win. Mm-hmm. And I think it's absolutely amazing story. And other. Mm-hmm. So you
2: can have some successes in Russia, despite the political climate, despite the the nature of the system.
1: Uh, Of course, uh, it's impact, this uh, case impact uh, for... Uh, uh other grassroots groups of course it's uh, it's impossible to change political systems through the uh, one uh, uh, grassroots no, movement, but it's possible to attain the specific goals of that grassroots movement to save a forest right. to to move a road
2: It's possible to have successes in individual campaigns
1: yeah, yeah yes, it's absolutely possible to have successful stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're active, when you're really active, it's possible uh, to achieve. Uh, uh, it's possible to achieve uh, your goals. Maybe you cannot uh, achieve. All goals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but some important goals. Of course, it's possible to achieve. So,
0: back in the nineties, when the Soviet Union collapsed, environmental activism was actually one of the big grassroots uh, coalescing
1: yeah, yeah, yes. mechanisms, was, right? There was a was. lot of
0: environmental activism. There was a lot. There were a lot of grassroots movements um, throughout f- former Soviet countries, but also in Russia, uh, in the Far East. Uh, and then the sort of go- went away. Do you see this in some ways as a rebirth of that? And do you see people who were involved in the '90s getting involved again? Uh,
1: sometimes we uh, get uh, some helping from uh, these uh, people who was active in '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, uh, for example, uh, Professor Yablakov. Okay. Unfortunately, now uh, he was dying, uh, but he was very active and help us. And uh, I think that it was important, and uh, we have. Some some uh, experienced during short time in nineties, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's helped us. But uh, when I started my protest, for me it was difficult to wh- find in internet other cases, mm-hmm. uh, modern mm-hmm. time yeah, of said... uh, grassroots groups. I don't know why we have gap between uh, uh, mm-hmm. our activity mm-hmm. in Himki forest and activity of environmentalists in nineties. I don't know why uh, why it happens. But now uh, you, but now there's a
0: rebirth of this, right? And do you think there is an increased interest in environmental activism?
2: Or in grassroots activism in general. But I
0: actually, I, I want to push on the environmental activism because it's it feels less political, right? It's, you're not... You're not saying we have to change the system. You're saying we have to change. We have to save the forest. And I think for a lot of ordinary Russians, whether they eventually decide they have to change the system, but kind of in the immediate sense, this seems like a very normal, natural
1: thing, just as it was for you. It's a good question. But for uh, when we begin in our activity, it was absolutely unusual uh, uh, behavior for ordinary people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. my relatives decided that I have problem with my my, my brands that. I became crazy, and uh, uh, z- they check me <laughs> and ask different questions and ask me, Zhenya uh, what happens? Why you decide to be a so crazy woman? Uh, because uh, unfortunately, um, our mm, ordinary people very afraid of authorities, and my mic my my, my my cried. And she asked me, "Please stop it because I concern about your child, and I concern about you, I concern about your family. It's really dangerous, and I understand my mom because I had a, a lot of cases, horrible cases with uh, authorities, for example, one day, uh, big guys uh, uh, came to me and uh, decided to take my children and uh, only media support to help me to stop." It. and against me was open criminal case. Authorities um, um, accused me in terrorism mm-hmm. and I had problems uh, with my business because unfortunately Russian authorities stole my business and stopped my activity like a businessman. <laughs>
2: right. So do you find that fear is a bigger obstacle for people getting involved in these kind of causes or is it more apathy?
0: Are they more afraid or... Uh, do they just not care?
1: Uh, Of course, uh, people um, who begin an uh, activity like grassroots activists are really afraid about their safety. Mm -hmm. And I understand why because at this moment, we have a lot of horrible cases when authorities to organize brutal attack against activists and uh, uh, when authorities uh, to organize criminal case against activists and uh, um, and my friends environmentalists um, I have a problem uh, with uh, uh, with FSB, and I uh, had some FSB. Ca- FSB yes, yeah. and I had some cases uh, when uh, um, environmentalists were arrested and stay uh, in prison during two or three years mm-hmm. uh, for um, and uh, against them was fabricated uh, criminal cases, and of course it's dangerous, and uh, uh, it's dangerous uh, to be active in Russia. For example, we have a a, a dozen cases when after um, simply posting articles in internet, Uh, against people uh, uh, Russian authorities uh, opening uh, criminal cases about extremism and uh, uh, for example some people posted this information four years ago and at this moment these people uh, um, uh, are in prison uh why because authorities open against uh, opened against them a uh, criminal case and right. i think it's absolutely For crisis they system did 4
2: years ago right no yeah. and, Nobody and it's, paid attention it does to uh, until... and
0: i was actually reading mm-hmm. very recently that also part of this is that the police have quotas, right? They're trying to meet quotas mm-hmm. of arrests and this yeah. is an
1: easy way to go after people. Yeah, absolutely it's it's disgusting true in other countries system. Too. And it's my uh, um, it, it, it's my mission to support grassroots activists because I think that only through the media support we can help for people.
0: So, how closely do you work with international grassroots movements? Because some of what you describe is specific to Russia, but a lot of what you describe happens everywhere. Uh, Governments will always push back against activists. Uh, you know, they—they they always there's always businesses that want to build roads through forests, and there's and, uh, always people trying to stop. But there are also.
2: Countries that have political systems that allow those conflicts to be fought out. I mean, activists right. or no, stakeholders, my, right, just like all of these right, other. But
0: my groups. point. But my point here is that there are tactics <laughs> that can be shared. There's mm-hmm. mutual support. Mm-hmm that's possible, and I'm curious how how Uh, well that's not
1: worked. um, uh, We have very good relationship with a lot of um, uh, NGOs Mm -hmm. in America and uh, in Europe, and uh, I very pleasant for my my colleague uh, uh, from Bankwatch, who Mm -hmm. help us Mm -hmm. with investigation, anti-corruption investigation, and I very pleasant for my colleague from France, from Sherpa Company, Mm -hmm. because it's a Organization help us uh, with our um, uh, uh, with our investigation uh, in a prosecutor office of uh, Paris, and I very pleasant for. Uh, Goldman Price Foundation it's a very famous American organization American foundation and uh, I very pleasant for this organization for prize for Goldman Prize because uh, it was very important for me and uh, I very pleasant for new contacts with activists from All, all uh, world Mm -hmm. from around Mm -hmm. the world, and uh, last week I was in Denver University, Mm -hmm. and I had absolutely nice uh, uh, meeting. Uh, with uh, activists from different parts of our planet, from Congo, from Togo, mm. and uh, uh, from Thailand, and I very thank uh, for organizers of this di- uh, of uh, this event uh, from Denver of University uh, for this unique opportunity because I think it's really important to share our experience. For example, I was surprised that in Congo. Uh, a dictatorship regime uh, has absolutely same methods with Putin's regime.
2: <laughs> so uh, are you optimistic that you'll have an impact in Russia, that you'll succeed in, in changing the way that, uh, that Russia operates? Um,
1: uh, I don't know. Unfortunately, it's really very, very difficult and I'm very concerned about new project, about horrible projects uh, um, Nord Stream 2. Mm. It's a pipeline mm. from Russia to uh, Germany and of course it's disgusting project because it's uh, really dangerous for climate change and it's dangerous for um, uh, Russia. Uh, why? Because Germany uh, continue to support Putin's regime. Uh, when Germany uh, state continues to buy a Russian gas, and I concern that uh, it's difficult to stop it because at this moment uh, Russian authorities to build this pipeline through Kurgaysky Nature Reserve, and they demolish. A thousands rare species and thousands rare plants in this nature is of, and it's dangerous. And I think that it's so. Uh, at this moment, we have very, very bad trends on our trends in our world, when uh, donors, uh, foreign donors, uh, are afraid to walk with Russian activists afraid uh, uh, Putin's regime, but other side, uh, uh, Western uh, politicals to continue to collaborate with Putin regime and continue to buy Russian gas, oil, and other nature issues? So, I mean, I think this is actually it's an
0: interesting question, because there's a pretty substantial debate in Europe, in the United States, over Nord Stream. It's usually framed as a political debate. And you've, you've done both, right? You've, you're talking about supporting, whether it supports uh, Putin, whether it supports Russia, I want to put that aside, and I want to talk about the environmental question of it, which you've raised, but I don't think it comes up. And I want to raise it because I wonder if we're not getting rid of Russia. We're not; Putin's going to stay in charge of Russia until he no longer is.
2: We're not getting rid of Russian gas, or and the we're fact not getting rid Europe of, is going to be dependent on it. But
0: is it worth? Hmm raising the environmental question and seeing whether North Stream can be forced to be more environmentally friendly and what happens if it does. Uh, what what does that mean for activism like yours? You've gone from... And um, is it
2: is it one or the other, right? I mean, can you have a North Stream two that's more environmentally friendly? Or is this a question of it's only going to be successful from your perspective if Nord Stream 2 doesn't happen? I mean, and I guess this gets to the question of how can or to what extent can grassroots activism coexist with the current political environment in Russia? Do you have to change the political system in order to have success around some of the grassroots causes that we've been talking about. Is, and
0: is there room, And mm-hmm. sorry if we're going to keep, keep, but it just mm-hmm. because I think this, the core of this is there room for the people who just want to save forests and nature preserves, but don't honestly
1: care that much about changing the whole system. I think that it's impossible to change system only through environmental grassroots activity. I think that uh, uh, we uh, we need to understand uh, what is mean Putin's regime. Uh, its regime uh, have very long story. One hundred years story. Its story of KGB. Its story of mass repression. So
0: I th- it's it's a complicated equation. But I, I kind of want to come back to the future of activism in Russia and how and there's different kinds of activism and whether there is room for the small grassroots bit. Mm-hmm. and it sounds and to me like
1: you don't think there is. And we need to understand that we have um a deal with a very powerful system. The system corrupt not only Russia, the system corrupt America, the system corrupt. Uh, Europe, and this system really very, very influential, and only with uh, uh, different efforts we can to solve this problem. I think that will be really effective to organize moratorium for buying oil, gas, and other nature resources from Russia. You won't, and yeah, that's and, not. That, and, that's, and but, that's but that's that's a lost cause, yes. right? And second, we need to organize normal supporting of grassroots groups in Russia why it's important because at this moment our grassroots protest it's like baby small baby and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and huge uh, putin's regime to beaten this ba- baby by hat every day very brutal and we need mm-hmm. to support this uh, new russian baby so a question for you about supporting this
0: baby is government support the best way to do that? Because there is a hypocrisy, right, in asking the U.S. government, which cracks down on some of its own grassroots protesters, to support grassroots protesters in other countries. Well, it's and more the United than that. States is far from the worst, right? Yeah. So,
2: but it's more than that. I mean, there's the question of uh, Russia uses this term foreign agents. And whether you accept that or not, does it in some way undermine the message that this is a grassroots Russian initiative if the funding for it is coming from
0: overseas. And the support. No, so I mean, one of the things I've wondered about a lot is what you described in talking to people from the rest of the world, the extent to which people who are fighting similar fights can get together, share tactics, learn ways to do it, which don't create the impression that they're all foreign agents and that also don't open you up to charges of hypocrisy that you're taking money from people who do the exact same things in their own countries right.
2: or and that you're not essentially calling for revolution right that you're pushing for incremental change in ways that are going to affect people's day-to-day lives independent of the larger political questions
1: and I think that we need to be more flexible and we need to find new opportunity how it's possible to support grassroots groups in Russia, how it's possible to defense uh, uh, our activists within Russia. And I think that uh, at this moment we have war. Uh, it's propaganda war and i think that uh, we have an uh, extremely uh, high level of putin's propaganda uh, on the world and it's absolutely dangerous for us not only for russia uh, but for other countries too and i think that putin's regime it's a uh, it's our tragedy <laughs> not for, only for russia but for europe and for america because it's a very very powerful uh, force and i think that I I don't have simply uh, answer for this uh, very serious question, and I need that uh, we need um, uh, uh, to understand what means it's uh, Putin's regime, and we need to understand that uh, Putin's regime it's a mafia regime. and uh, uh, I don't know how it's possible uh, to win Mafia. Uh, but I think that uh, we need to be more flexible and uh, we need to find new opportunity uh, how it's possible to solve this problem. Okay. Yeah.
0: Evgenia, I think we are out of time, uh, but thank you so much for joining us. I think this is a really interesting conversation which is worth continuing to have and continue to think about.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you for you. It was very, very interesting conversation for me. Thanks.
2: All right. Thank you for joining us again today. Uh, There is a link to Yevgenia's bio in the show notes.
0: And also to the aktivatika.org website. Uh, It's in Russian, but it's the website she talked about, which links all these different activists across Russia.
2: And if you don't read Russian, there's always Google Translate. If you haven't already, uh, please do subscribe to the podcast. Uh, You can do that on iTunes. Uh, And if you don't use iTunes, you can do that on Google Play or SoundCloud.
0: Don't forget to send us your mailbag questions. We will be doing another mailbag episode soon, and we'd like to have a lovely assortment of questions to choose from. So send them in to rep at csis.org. And don't forget to put the words Russian roulette in the subject line.
2: And once again, this is your reminder to follow us on Twitter. Uh, the program is at CSIS Russia. Olya is at Olya Oliker, And I'm at Dr. J. Mankov.
0: Finally, and as always, big thanks to everybody who puts in all the work that makes this podcast happen every two weeks. That includes our research associate and program manager, Cyrus Newland, our intern, Kimberly Schuster, and the entire CSIS External Relations and iLab team.
2: Thanks for listening. We will talk to you again in two weeks.
0: Bye-bye.